Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Thanks for being with us. How's your week? Oh, well, first of all, I got I had Jason Van Dyke here today. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Jason Squared. Yep, yeah, this is the Jason Squared edition. We got... <laughs> We got Dan Podesto taking a day off. Well-deserved day off for Dan. Yeah. So somebody calls in and says, can I speak to Jason today? And be like... Which one? Yeah, which one? Um, sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. You can do us yeah. by the last names today. Okay. They right. call, they can ask for Grody. Or Grody Van Dyke. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well... Crazy week around my parts. We had family in town all week. My son had an eighth grade promotion. <laughs> Getting up there, huh? Yeah. I didn't know that eighth grade promotion was such a big deal. It's a big deal. I want you guys to know that. Yeah. And anybody listening, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's basically like a college graduation. Wow. Going to get the gifts. You're going to decorate. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Gonna have a big party. That's cool. Is that what you did? You participated in all that? Oh yeah. A little barbecue with the family? That's right. Good for you. Yeah. We had all the Oh, there was like twenty of us. Yeah. Was, that's yeah. good. Right on. It's fun. Good. Yeah. So yeah. I was in I was in Colorado all week. That was that was nice. My mom had a fall, broke her wrist. Oh nice. Luckily it was just her wrist, wow. which is uh, you know, could be a lot worse, but went out there and visited some family. Um, so that was nice. It's nice to get out to Colorado. The good yeah. son went we're out. All, we were all gone him. this week somehow. Yeah, you went to Laughlin for a Laughlin couple days. Laughlin and Arizona for a few days. And Perfect. About you, I was driving back yesterday and uh, drove by Bishop, you know, the turnoff of Bishop. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, Jason's from there. Not exactly from there, but closer, yeah. closer to from there. But it was pretty cool, you know. Yeah. Went and, up to Vegas, man. Vegas is like. Did you changes. go to Vegas? Yeah, J- J- Vegas is changing all the time, man. It was awesome. It's been like 10 years since I've been to Vegas. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, when you only go every decade like that, it's it's all the big changes. But yeah, place is constantly changing constantly and growing. Constantly changing, yeah. Lots of new housing there, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was There good. was a time during the recession. You you lived in Vegas for a little while, didn't for you? For a minute, yeah. There I was did. a time during the recession where people I knew here in town were clamoring to buy up some of those Las Vegas houses around mm-hmm. for like 50, 60, 70,000 bucks. Those days are past. Those house prices are Right. I mean, obviously they're not the same as they are here on the Central Coast, but they've been heading back up solidly. I feel a bumper coming back from one of our breaks here coming up. Oh, some uh, something by the king, possibly. I don't know. But anyway. All right, that'd be cool. <laughs> that'd be cool. Yeah, anyway, yeah. It, was good, it was a good week for all of us. It sounds like. Yeah, it was a good week, a busy week, another busy week. And um, since you were traveling, you know, I, how many loans did you lock this week? Probably not enough. <laughs> I got a few of them locked. Rates, <laughs> yeah. rates definitely improved towards Man. the end of the week, which was nice. 
Yeah, it's good to really see Really nice. A lot of the talk of uh, you know pushing out the uh, raising of the interest rates has eased some of our interest rate pricing recently, at least in the short term. We're always ahead of the game, I feel like, the long-term interest rates. So around the first of the year when they were talking about, well, they're definitely going to be increasing rates. Um, you know, even without increasing rates, the, uh, the the mortgage market sort of prepares itself and is always six months ahead. And so we, we did see a little bit of increased rates there. But uh, that has eased a little bit over the last couple of weeks, which is nice. Nice, a little bit more affordability. Few of those fence sitters on the refis are jumping off and saying, "You know what? Now feels like the right time." So, it's uh, created a lot of activity for our business for sure. The ten-year bond yield. I thought we could talk a little bit about the ten-year bond yield. You're kind of a you're kind of a geek when it comes to getting down into the weeds on the interest rate stuff too. You always have been. I see your little little charts and colorful things you send your clients to talk about ranges and where things are heading. Um, the 10 year bond yield yesterday, my phone just locked. I have it. I have the little app on my phone so that I can watch it all the time. Closed at 1.64%. Really? Did you know that? No, I was a little disconnected just cause I was out of town yeah, with all that's the... good and low. Oh man. Um, that's great. Yeah. Well, that and... would make sense why we saw rates take a little bit of a dip this week. Yeah. Oh Yeah. That's as low as they've been since February 11th of this year. Okay. And that was kind of like, that was about when we really saw the full impact of when rates confidently dropped after the feds raised mm -hmm. that, you know, their quarter percent interest rate hike. So that was the kind of the, the low of the reading there that we got after that December fed rate hike in february and so um we're touching back to that levels which is a pretty interesting thing obviously a lot of it has to do with that jobs report that we got um the jobs report was pretty bad Thirty-eight thousand jobs created for the month of may is just not yeah. a very good reading janet yellen said um nobody share put too much clout in one particular months of reading but obviously, the broader economy is a little bit freaked out about it. Um, so uh, we, we talk about the bond yield quite a bit. I thought we could talk a little bit about it today and why we always look at that bond yield, something that we track. It's, it's probably one of the, unless you can see mortgage-backed securities, it's one, really probably one of the best indicators of what's happening with the mortgage interest rate. Right. Reason being is in the investment trade type of instrument, the 10-year bond yield is going to most closely perform um, to the 30-year fixed rate mortgage. And how it's always been explained to me, and maybe it's been explained to you differently, I don't know, you and I have never really talked about this, but it's just that they they sort of have the same dependability. If somebody gets a 30-year mortgage, they're going to have it for about the same time as they would hold a 10-year bond. Mm -hmm. And the movement into the bond market relative to what's going on in the economy seems to also drag the 30-year the mortgage rate goes along with it. And generally speaking, what that means is that if the economy is doing really well, the risky safe haven or the safe haven of bonds or the risky stock market. You'll have money move from the stock market over into the bond market, thereby lowering its yield. 
So similar to what we saw with the jobs report, right? So we see a, we have these economic reports that come out. And so the jobs report is not a good number, which creates a lot of uncertainty in the markets. And so it's just, uh, you know, normal investing psychology where if there's uncertainty and you're a little scared with your money, you're going to put it in safer investments like sure. mortgage-backed securities and bonds. And so as Yeah, something where flows, there's a rate of return and a pretty unlikely right. loss of principal. And so if your money's that, in the stock market and the stock market goes down, you very well could lose your right. principal. I mean, right. there's no guarantee of it, but right. that's an option. Right. In the bond market, you can kind of lose your principal to some degree mm-hmm. um, if the yields really changed radically. And what I mean by that is, let's say you bought a bond you know, for a, a fixed buy price, and just for sake of round numbers, let's say that the, the price of the bond is $100 and the yield is 2%. Mm-hmm. If the yield goes up quite a bit in the normal market, that one that you bought for a hundred bucks that's making two percent might only be worth ninety bucks if the current ones that are selling for a hundred bucks are making four percent, right? right? Exactly. So it's sort of a relationship between the buy price and the yield. And so yeah, when there's it's sort of a supply and demand thing. If nobody's interested in the bonds because the market's really created a whole lot of certainty and we feel confident and we're ready to have our money investing in business and infrastructure and capital improvements, all these things, we put our money in the stock market. Well, the bond has to offer a more attractive yield. Mm -hmm. So that yield creeps up a little bit to keep people coming over there. Oh yeah, no, we can't turn a blind eye to those bonds because it's a good rate. So, and just the opposite happens when there's uncertainty, like you said, people move over into that spot. Mm-hmm. Put some money in the bond market where, you know, it's a pretty good bet because we don't the the growth potential, the future feels uncertain. There's a couple of other things that are going on right now too, why our bond yield is so low. Um yeah, the jobs report was part of it, but also you can't discount the fact that um our yield of now, what did we say it was? 1.64%. Mm-hmm. So if you give your money over for a 10-year bond, a 10-year period, we're going to get you back that um, very plump 1.64%. <laughs> Don't spend it all in one place. Whew. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but f- to some foreign investors right now, that's looking pretty hot. Um, because remember, German yields... And Japan yields are essentially zero. Mm-hmm. There's even some countries where the interest rate is negative. If you put your, you buy their bond or put your money in the bank, they're going to be charging you a rental fee to hang on to your money. Right. So you could bet on the U.S. economy. We're usually a pretty safe bet. And you can bet on us right now. That 10-year bet's going to get you 1.64% over time. Um, and by the way, the correlation was prior to, I almost want to say prior to Dodd-Frank, some of these things need to be rewritten since Dodd-Frank came out. But the bottom line is that historically there's been a relationship between the 30 year fixed, which is ultimately that interest rate is decided by the mortgage backed security trades and not by the fed setting their overnight rate. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's been this one and a half percent, typically it's a one and a half percent 
greater than the 10-year yield is what you could predict the 30-year fixed rate to be. Um, since Dodd-Frank came out and you know, kind of overhauled the industry, it seems like it lives closer to 2% to me. And I'm just saying that as a gut feeling. I don't right. think, I haven't read that any analysts have published that yet, but you know, Dodd-Frank basically made loan officer compensation, I don't know, it's been four years or something now, loan officer compensation is fixed. Yeah, a loan officer can't have varied comp commission or income based on the characteristics of the loan. And when that happened, they forced the hand of every lender in the nation to pick a profit margin. Um, and I think for the most part, the lenders all kind of padded that a little bit and made, mm -hmm. made it a little bit fatter. And so today, my unofficial, <clears throat> excuse me, my unofficial gut feeling about the, the relationship there is that if you took the 10-year bond yield and added two points to it, mm -hmm. that's about where the 30 year fixed sits in the market. So, um, and that's good logic again this week. I mean, we're touching down to that, the mid three and a half, three and five eights is getting pretty common for a 30 year fixed. And um, so it's interesting. The Jobel, Jobel, I made that, um, that word is global. Mm. That I, I guess I haven't had enough coffee yet this morning. Um, <laughs> The other thing that's keeping this yield to um, it, I mean, at least it's 2016 lows at this point, is just global growth fears. Um, the job miss for May was um, big. That was a big deal. I mean, it was, I, we tried to downplay it to some degree, said maybe it was a weird thing, said, Perhaps it was because the Verizon strike that's going on um, was actually counted as layoffs and those jobs offset actual gains. Um, we attempted to make some excuses for it, but we also learned that we shed um, additional jobs off of what was first reported for March and April, kind of further making that look not so great. And um, growth is particularly weak in China, Europe, Japan. Um, so as the U.S. sort of sends up this report of jobs saying, hey, you know what? The job market might be softening. It might even be softening rapidly. Um, when you sort of zoom out and look at the full global economy, it looks perhaps a little bit freaky out there. Um, and so this fall in yields to me, I think, really signals um, concerns over global growth, sort of looking at the whole world economy and suggesting that the entire environment looks like it might be sort of limping along. Um, yeah, you know. That's a definitely a big piece of it. I mean, we definitely have to look at the global economies now and sort of see their role in, in some of these economic reports that we see. I think that, uh, that the election is also playing a factor. I mean, oh, you a, think? There's <laughs> any time, and I, I think that's sort of what we're we're really looking at from a thirty thousand foot view of things. Is the investment dollars can go to stocks or go to bonds, and so they're always competing for that same investment dollar. Sure. So whenever we've got this uncertainty with these, you know, job reports and other economic reports that come out, and then we we layer that with the fact that it's an election year, and you know, there's wildly different views of you know the who we have as choices and what that is going to mean 
for you know the future and the economy of the U.S. It's uh, it, it creates an environment where there's a lot of instability and and people just aren't sure exactly what's going to happen. And so again, that that again leans towards people wanting to put their money in maybe a safer safer investment like the bonds, which then again just drives down the rates. So, and we know how to isolate these things when it's kind of one at a time, right? Exactly, right. But some of these things are adding up to be more than one at a time. That political uncertainty, absolutely. I think most people are sort of um, scratching head, rolling eyes, wondering what's going on here and what's going to happen. What's Mm going to be the new norm for four more years or whatever. Um, Obviously, yeah, the the parties seem uh, vastly different from one another. have that jobs report that's not so great. We got other countries in the world that look like they're stalling out. Um, We've got the impending Brexit, as it's being called, Great Britain's Mm -hmm. potential exit from the uh, European Union. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what to make of that. I struggle with fully understanding um, how it is what what impact is that going to be the brexit great britain's already not using the euro right mm-hmm. so interesting there's a lot of talk about what all that entails you know the bottom line is is that there's an economic and political partnership between 28 european countries great britain being a pretty impactful mm-hmm. member of that group is um currently deciding um, whether or not they're going to hang around in there. One more thing to be uncertain about. So you add all these things in, you know, kind of stir, bake for 325 for 15 minutes, remove and say, wow, things feel uncertain. Let's go buy some bonds. You know, you can move your money over into cash. You can pull out of those international funds or the growth funds. You can move your money into your different places. When you're in those mixed, you know, if you're like, for example, I was talking with a friend of mine this last week where it's like, well, how's the 401k? You know, so you're on the the Fidelity 2055 plan or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that one that your age and how much risk your portfolio mm-hmm. can have in it basically. And as you get less tolerant of risk, it just becomes more uh, bond type of safer investments yeah. right, as you get and towards so, retirement age. And then I think at the end of it all comes just this, you know, you don't want to be caught the one that ran through all the signs. <laughs> <laughs> so you start seeing the yield go down all these little news bites of things aren't so hot mm-hmm. all this you know what everybody else is sort of moving over towards the bond now i think the market starts moving together you know how much of this is just self-fulfilling prophecy as we you know nobody really wants to lose their money who likes to lose principal nobody i know i don't <laughs> and you know what i'm so used to not making interest i'll run in panic with the mob and buy a bond too mm-hmm. uh just to know that my because well i mean it wasn't that long ago the stock market went down i don't know what was it i want to say 50 percent. it was yeah man it really was for a minute there those 401ks or 201ks <laughs> yeah. right got cut in half <laughs> yeah yeah it's definitely you have to hedge your bets there's definitely no doubt about that i think it would actually be a 200.5k 
right? Technically, yeah, but maybe I, not quite half. You know, I get, <laughs> get the gist of it. I get what you meant. It was clever. <laughs> you you cut even the name in half. But uh, yeah. So the takeaway though is that with this low yield, if you're paying attention comes low rates and we're at that point right now where refi business we're having another little mini refinance boom yeah um you know it's it's kind of crazy this was the year that rates were supposed to go up quickly and dramatically Mm -hmm. the feds were gearing us up to have you know somewhere between three and four rate hikes this year Mm -hmm. and um i think technically we have zero because they hiked in December, which is going to be last calendar year. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Fed sort of re- reinforcing that idea okay. that well, things are touch and go. Well, We're watching closely. Okay. Um, and what does that mean to you? Well, perhaps it means go move all your money into the bond market. Um, but maybe not. Um, you can lose a lot of money, by the way, going all into the bond market when just before that point where rates really do go up, like I said earlier, if you put all your money into a bond today and lock in this awesome yield of 1.64, and then in a year or two, the the yields that are being offered are three or 4%. If you want to sell that thing, you're going to take a discount on it to Mm -hmm. get, to get it off the book. So sketchy stuff, but what can you do? You can get a lower mortgage rate. That's what you can do. That's the only certain thing right now <laughs> that I know how to make of all of this global growth, right. jobs report, slow this, disappointing that, lack of this, um, get a low mortgage rate. That's that's what it means for the consumer at large, I think. We have a phone call here. We have John calling from Slow. Good morning, John. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Good morning, guys. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah. I have a question about... Uh, I'll be 59 and a half next July, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we have about 100K in a 401K with exactly, like you said, you know, Fidelity 20, 2065 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so, um, it's, it gets a little more complicated, but that's not the point. Um, I mean, I'm going to split it, have to split it with a separated spouse, which is cool. And another financial person said, you know, you can't do that without a court order, but that's just details beyond this show. But let's assume uh, all or part of it uh, needs to be taken out for a, uh, I have a business and I want to inject cash into the business or purchase a property. How does that work? I'm really confused. There's a lot of, you know, folklore out there about what you can and can't do. 10%, 20%, no, don't do it. No, it's the end of the world. You know, I don't think so. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in 20 years. All right. I gotta, yeah. I gotta tell you, I don't know. I mean, it. Um, really? In yeah, I really don't know the. So first of all, we we run a commercial on our show here. One of the sponsors of the show is Blakesley and Blakesley, and that's who uh-huh. we're we're using to administer those funds oh. for us for our company. Those guys um, do a really good job. In in particular, um, right. the gentleman in there that we deal with is Craig Darnell. Um, but right. really, I mean, I've had experience with other financial advisors and they do a really good job. 
sure. You know, and and to be honest, yeah, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about the tax okay. implications of taking money okay. out of those accounts. Okay. I do know, okay. um, you know, little enough to be dangerous about what you can pull out for a down payment on a house if you're a first time home buyer or something. But yeah, but beyond that, I'm really not right sure. But okay. I can tell you though, well, I mean, I I have perfect confidence in suggesting that regardless of who manages that fund for you, if you reached out to the folks over at Blake's and Blakesley, I know that they'd yeah. be able to get you on the right path. Well, but in, okay, so let me just one last thing. In principle, though, do you hear what I'm saying? Like 20 years ago when we were young and employed and racking it up before the crash, um, of course, it was insane to even think about taking money out. It was like a corporate, you know, uh, taboo. Yeah, uh, if you're on your you're on your own, you're in the, you're in your six, you know you're almost sixty. Uh, it's the world is going to H in a H basket, right? And you know who knows if we'll even be alive in twenty years to enjoy all this fat money. Is it not that? Is it? Can you comment on you know? I don't know philosophically. Yeah, I, mean, I, I hear why what you're not, saying. Man? Why not take it out and buy the sailboat and get your rocks off? I mean. Yeah. I mean, what's wrong with that? What is wrong? And why isn't that? And why? I heard, and a, why, you know? I heard I mean, an I anecdotal mean, story okay. a few years ago about a guy who um, he he got lab results mixed up at a hospital. I believe this was over in Europe. <laughs> I love it. He did. He got lab results mixed up and effectively was told by his doctor that he had a terminal illness and was going to be dead for sure. In a 12-month yeah. period of time. So he took everything he had, he liquidated everything, sold everything he had, and just got into cash and took off on a global trek and just figured Look, he would I just run that. it into the dirt. And when he <laughs> ideally would run out of money before he died but was fully prepared to die you know, on this epic trek yeah. of his life's mission. And, <laughs> well, and it's a couple years later, I mean, you can see where the story's going. A couple years later, he ends up in similar health to where he began and out of money. So he goes back to yeah. the doctor that right. gave him his death yeah. sentence and was told, well, we'll redo it all. And they discovered then that he was fine, oh. had squandered mm -hmm. everything. Uh, okay. Last I heard, that guy was able to sue and recoup what he got because of the. Right. Um, but just that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, if you take it all and go, you might be the guy <laughs> that yeah. twenty years from now is going. Oh man, I should have left it all in there. Well, or I, I mean, or take it some out and and you know put like half in a, an investment in a property and half in your business. I mean, that's not like. Just, I don't seriously right. mean... You're not just blowing it on a, on right, a, a yacht. Right. Yeah, I get right, it. Right, right. So, I mean, that to me is taking the horns, you know, uh, you know, and saying, I'm going to make this money work, and sure. I'm not going to wait around for a 1% bond market or for another 30% drop. Right. Right? Yeah, I my mean, my 401k that, you know, and I I try not to track it too terribly much cuz it's a long-term deal obviously, but I watch the what it does with the market. Um we have the way ours is set up, we have like a small commission that we pay on each purchase. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it it's a a number of scale is the way that it works, but I want to say it's about 3.5%. So if you you know, if you send them in a hundred bucks, you're going to come away with a three and a half percent charge. And, 
you know, 97 bucks going into the investment that you're making. Uh, but then after that, there's no management fees. So then I'm watching the market. I really need the market to be making like 4% to yeah. sort of be ahead of that. And it f seems to me that over the last several years, it's basically flat. I mm -hmm. feel like it's like it's really yeah. savings without a lot of growth other than just the exactly. additional principal being put in. Um, and, you know, to be honest with you, it, I think so much of it has to do with your age because for me, right. um, I'm really hoping that these markets go in the tank completely. Um, I'm not going to be able to retire for years in a row. And the more of it right. I could buy at a depressed value during you know, this, my earning phase is now, whereas somebody that's getting closer to 60 or even already retired is pulling on the exact opposite end of that rope. I don't want to see it tank anymore. I want to see yeah. it go back and pay these yields that, you know, it used to in yesteryear. So it's a, yeah. um, it just has a lot to do with what position in life you're in. And when we counsel people, by the way, first time home buyers and, you know, even experienced home buyers, it usually comes up that people want to borrow away from their 401k to make a down payment if they don't have another source available. Um, right. and, and as a rule, I generally discourage people from that, um, mainly because when you borrow from your 401k, even though you're technically paying yourself interest, the money that you borrow is technically sidelined out of the market. And all of these investment accounts, at least were we were brought up in this to be to be told that it was going to be it's a long term investment and the most important thing to do is have it in there. And if you borrow from it, you're sort of sidelining that and you might miss, you know, five or seven or ten years of its power while you've leveraged yeah. it for some other investment. And so generally, if there's another way to be able to acquire real estate, I think it's a, a good thing to do to stretch a little and figure out how to make it happen. That being said, right. there is some well, tax benefits. It depends on the, it depends on the, it depends on the, the threshold of the account. I mean, the, in 2008, if nothing had happened, we'd all be, pretty seriously attached to our 401ks right now and not touching them. Yep. But in, in that year, we gave, we the government borrowed, or the system borrowed 33% from us, and uh, we never got it back. And I don't want to see that happen again. There's not enough there to really retire. Right. It's like, well, there's enough there that I can buy uh, a gold-plated shopping cart to live on the street instead of a regular shopping cart. Sure. So, you know, I mean, so really, I mean, I want people to think about that. Like, why not take a quantum that's in your hand now and make it work for you? Buy a hot dog stand. Some, uh, of the, you know. some of the guys I know and respect the most, too, in these last few years have started doing things where they're having their 401k own real estate instead of just being invested exactly. in the mark in the stock market, you know? Yeah. Kind yeah. of an interesting thing, and I suppose yeah. I should go on to say that in by no way, any shape or form, don't misconstrue this conversation. I'm not I giving know. investment advice. No, <laughs> we're I, not qualified I, I to do it's a that. Conversation. Yeah, I know. for you Very or difficult. anyone. But we um, should yeah. start a support group or people or a think tank or a men's group or something to talk about this, so that the shame factor isn't there. You know, it's like. Uh, every, the system has us all like uh, by the tail, you know. No, 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 Johnny, you can't do that. It's, that's that's you know that's 
not really the reality that we're living in right now. Yeah. Hey, John, thanks for your phone call today. Um, nice to have that uh, addition to the conversation. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Uh, we need to do a commercial break here. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. You might even hear the Blake's and Blakesy phone number. Pretty sure we're going to. Woo. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. So, guys, stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big bank. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. You buy or refinance a home, just call Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Bright light said it gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there. They're all living the devil may care. And I am just a devil with love to spare, so viva Las Vegas. All right, everybody, welcome back. There it is, the king. That's right, I was just there this week. Uh, Did you win any money gambling? Uh, no. Came back with less money I went with this time. Uh-huh. But you know, last time I went, what kind came of back gambling, with more money than I What kind of gambling does Jim do? Slots. Slots? Yeah. What kind do you look for? Uh, I like the quarter ones usually. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, the new fancy me. ones with all the computer stuff. Or yeah. It doesn't even matter anymore, right? You don't get the actual excitement of the, the ching, know. ching, I ching, sat, ching. It's all... I sat at one machine that had an arm and it did nothing. Nothing. But you know out of superstition every now and again, you push the max credit button and pull the arm instead of just spinning the reels? Yeah. I mean, I do that. I feel I like that, that mixes up the mojo. Yeah. I think it must be <laughs> But yeah, Is that now, is that different you, than all the other max credits that you're pressing? That's different. <laughs> yeah, you pulled the arm that time. Yeah, right. Well, okay. it's because the machine's sensing that you're 
um, kind of throwing a curveball yeah. here. You're engaged. You're yeah. looking for something different. You're sort of changing the energy, you know, as you reach for the lever and give mm -hmm. it a rip instead of just hitting the button next to the button that yeah. you've been hitting for $50 in a row. You're like, all right, we're looking for a new approach, a new result. <laughs> yeah, Hit the button, pull, pull, pull the, the arm. arm. But you remember, yeah. did you ever play slots like enough? I mean, and now we're talking years ago. But did you ever play slots enough for a few hours just from feeding the quarters back through and your hands turn black? <laughs> did you ever have that happen? Uh, no. You guys but... don't gamble enough. If you, <laughs> if you are in front of a machine that's doing that thing where it just sort of breaks you even or yeah. lets you win a little and you yeah. just can't, like you put 100 yeah. bucks in and you can't seem to lose that 100 bucks. Right, right but it's just dumping quarters into the thing and you just have to refeed them, your hands would turn this graphite-looking, shiny black. filth of black, and it was very difficult to get off. Wow. And I got to imagine that's at least part of why they moved away from the coin thing, in addition to, like, you know, the weight and all that. But. Yeah, yeah. I remember going and having, like, this bucket that they would provide. Yeah, the, yeah. Little, yeah. Uh, the plastic bucket. Well, you should gave me a wheelbarrow, but yeah, yeah well, I saw people with that a wheelbarrow, that cute little okay. bucket. <laughs> like, you need a, a you need something barrel. bigger when big you're playing with winner. pennies. Yeah. Big oh, winner. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Clever. No. Yeah. He's so smart. Yeah. That's the only way to get a free buffet. To play those a lot slots. Of pennies. They do. The casinos love the slot players. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's remarkable. You, yeah, you get your free buffet quicker on the <laughs> on the slots for sure. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Hey, so there's you know a small segment left this hour. We've got oh what 17 minutes here to go, and um, this Ira talk, by the way, something I think worth spending a few more minutes on because um, we touched into it. It wasn't perfectly relevant to the phone call that we're having with John, but I do think it's relevant to the topic here. Um, cause I always get that question. Uh, can I dip into my IRA for a down payment and should I? Yeah. Or even, even to help supplement a monthly payment. I had a, a phone call from a, a successful business guy, uh, this week who was looking to get pre-qualified on a rather large purchase and has a few million dollars in savings and investments. And a few hundred thousand of that, uh, was in a retirement account, but just doesn't have enough monthly income to document and support a new mortgage payment. So you can set up a draw from a qualified retirement account that, yep. um, you know, and it, it's not a difficult thing. You usually have to call the administrator, tell them, Hey, I need a regular payment of $1,500 a month to be deposited into my checking account from, you know, on, on the first of every month. Mm -hmm. And if you, they'll usually put something on letterhead suggesting, you know, we got your request. It's been processed. You'll receive your first payment next month. Let us know if you need to make any changes to it. That typically would be a qualifiable income source. Yeah, it's a, it's a unique way of showing and documenting monthly income where otherwise you may not be able to qualify for a home. Without the historical exactly um, from month number proven one, history of doing it, the underwriter will basically just want to see that letter stating it's going to be continued in the future. They'll also want to see that deposit hit your bank account, so there's yep. going to be a little bit of proof of funds received. But from there, that's uh, they, they count that as monthly income, and you're off and running. So that's by a the very way, unique way, not all banks do that. Not all banks will right. honor that um, in terms of using that as a qualified income source. 
Uh, and many lenders surprisingly don't even know that little trick. Right. Um, but it, but it is, and I, and I don't even want to suggest that it's a trick. It's kind of a, a trick of the trade. Um, because here's the deal. If you're over, you know, f is it 59 and a half? I think that's where you can first begin drawing from an IRA without penalty, without the 10% penalty. Right. right? Um, but yeah, many people just don't know that you can supplement your income that way. If you're, if you have a million dollars in a checking account, mm -hmm. now what you're really doing, if you're setting up a draw from there is you're just depleting that asset and it's not going to count the same way it, it, when it's in a qualified retirement account. Now you're setting up a draw off of a, a you know, what's ultimately to be an income-based account. So it's just viewed a little bit differently. I don't know, a um, million dollars in a checking account? I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Have you really? I've seen it. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. In fact, just recently I was working with a client, came into my office, and I asked him how much money they had for down payment and said, I don't know, how much do you need? And I said, well, I mean, it depends what kind of house you want to buy. You know, what do you want your house payment to be? Oh, gosh, probably... Probably close to what we're paying for in rent. Okay, well, how much is rent? Rent's 2000 bucks a month. Okay, I got something to work with here. Yeah. You know, would you feel comfortable putting $100,000 down? Are you willing and able? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, where's your money? Well, it's, it's with this investment um, banker over here. Okay, well, let me give him a call. Find out how much money you have. Yeah. How much money do you think you have? Said... I would guess in the ballpark of a hundred and fifty or something thousand dollars. So I called the investment manager and said, "I'm here with Mr. Jones, and I'm needing to know how much money does he have." He says, "Well, he's got three accounts. There's a trust account, an investment account, and a cash account. The cash account currently has three hundred eighty-four thousand dollars in it." <laughs> so, mm, look what I found. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I get off the phone and said. Well, turns out you have a lot more than 150000 bucks, And he's like, fantastic. <laughs> Pretty much buy the house outright. Anyway. That's so awesome. <laughs> when you're just perfectly uncertain of how many hundreds of thousands of dollars you have, that's great news. Um, but yeah, you know, in, in also on that same topic, for a first-time homebuyer, Scraping together the down payment can be a pretty daunting thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, oftentimes a lot of money. Here, so if you wanted to buy a house right in, you know, San Luis Obispo proper, um, the maximum conforming loan limit for us is five hundred sixty-one thousand two hundred dollars. At that rate, you need to put down a five percent down payment, right? Can you do three percent down on a loan that large? The reason I ask, it's a it's an interesting thing is it this guideline up until a, you know, less than a year ago was that you had to have 10% down and they reduced it to five. So anyway, you're looking at, you know, you might need to be coming up with $25,000 to put down. And for the average household here in slow, especially if you're renting, it's kind of hard to get away sock away an extra 25,000 bucks for down payment. And that's going to be the minimum down, right. right? Right. So, you know, I guess unless you did FHA or something, but I want to talk about the, the kind of conventional world. Um, but one of the things that you can do is if you're a first time home buyer, younger than age 59 and a half, you can take money out of your um, IRA 
with uh, without that 10% penalty. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. Um, the exemption to be able to do that, by the way, is capped at $10,000. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you maybe you have 20, 30, 50, 100,000 bucks, whatever in there, you might be able to take out $10,000 tax free, penalty free, if those funds are going towards your first time um, home purchase. Of course, you could take out more if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Then the penalties and taxes are going to kick in for what you've taken out. Uh, that can be a pretty cool way to get at some money kind of tax-free. During the break, you brought up um, people that have down payment, but maybe not the full 20%. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be paying mortgage insurance and might consider using some of their 401k either by selling off a chunk of it and just cashing it out or borrowing from it to get to 20% down. You mentioned that um, when you do take out a 401k loan, that the interest that you're paying back, you're paying back to yourself, which is nice. Um, and it, it, I mean, you, you can find yourself in a unique situation where you need 20, 30,000 more, which would bring you to that 20% magic number as down payment on a purchase, which then also eliminates the needed cost for mortgage insurance. So there's some unique situations where you can borrow potentially from that 401k, get your 20% down, um, supplementing it with some other cash that you have available. And now you're eliminating a, a mortgage insurance premium payment. Um, so that, you know, if you didn't take that 401k option, you're going to be adding, you know, additional costs that you may not need to, to the loan. And what's nice about those is also when you borrow those funds, if you were borrow, uh, uh, get a second mortgage or get a loan from someone else, that, that monthly payment is going to be factored into your debt ratio. And that new monthly payment potentially could bring you to a threshold, maybe a debt ratio where you wouldn't qualify for the new purchase, where a 401k loan does not get factored into the debt ratio. So that monthly payment you will not get hit for, um, which is also a unique situation when borrowing money. That's true, too. So there's, uh, like you said, we're, we definitely aren't giving financial advice when it comes to this. There's some tax implications, but there are some unique things with these retirement accounts, um, you know, that, that can be set up in a way where maybe you can get into a home where you may, you know, otherwise not have been able to. Yeah, I, I tend to be pretty conservative um, financially. It, it just with my money and others, I find myself being more conservative with other people's money where, mm -hmm. you yes. know, things that I might cozy up to, I certainly recognize that other people perhaps are less risk tolerant and um, whether or not they know it. And so um, I just, to kind of put the capper on this conversation about the 401k, things we've discussed here today, these are strategies that you might implore. Um, Look, though, at what does your tax guy say? What does your financial advisor say? Um, rating your 401k to make possible a real estate purchase in general or to lower its cost by, you know, because look, like you said, if, if it gets you there where you don't have to pay mortgage insurance, mortgage insurance might be $400 a month. Mm -hmm. If you borrow from your 401k to where that payment's 400 bucks a month, mm -hmm. then yeah, you're sidelining the money, but you're offsetting what would be a direct expense yep. by way of borrowing from over here, and then it's going to have the same payback time. Like, right, you might be paying that 400 bucks a month back for five years, 
but you also would have paid your mortgage insurance for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking at something like that, by all means, it's worth exploring. Right. But my, I'm just wanting to suggest that because we sort of opened this Pandora's box about talking about finances, and I just, I caution people to think very carefully when we get on this subject. Um, rating your retirement account can have really long-term consequences. Some of these 401k loans can be for 15-year terms. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the greatest benefits of savings in any format is that it's that long-term. You just, you pay in, the balance is invested in the market, whatever the returns are, whether they're modest or great, if they're positive in any way, it compounds. And the beauty of the investment over time is really the significant thing. And if you take a 15-year 401k loan from a large chunk of your principal when you're 30 years old and you sideline that money from being able to earn interest for you for 15 years, Mm -hmm. you've effectively taken yourself out of the benefits of having a 401k from 30 to 45. Those are critical years that you could be saving. And so... Like I said, I I know I tend to be financially conservative, particularly when I'm dealing with other people's money and what their risk adversities or uh, tolerances are. Um, I just, it's really important to think of the whole big picture. Sometimes you have to write out a pros and cons list totally. really about, well, this, if I do it, I get this. And if I do it, I get that. And this is the good thing. And this is the bad thing. And this is the cost, but this is the benefit. And really just make sure you're not making a rash decision. I certainly don't ever want to think that somebody was driving down the one and heard the guys from Mortgage Matter say that it was a fantastic idea to go yank money out of your retirement account. Um, not at all what we're suggesting. I just want to make sure that you are... Um, thinking in terms of the taxes and penalties, but also in terms of your future security. We don't have um, a whole great faith that Social Security is, A, going to be funded 20 or 30 years from now um, to the same degree it is today. Uh, It's today, I mean, uh, Jason, you work for a great company. You do not have a pension, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? right? I mean, right. today's employers aren't offering pensions the way they did for, you know, dad and, and papa's generation. They just aren't, they're not putting those kind of retirement packages together. So um, today, more than ever, it's critical that we plan early and begin saving early. Our retirement savings that we contribute to ourselves are likely to have much greater impact than um, the social security payment is going to be. I mean, I can only imagine what social security is going to look like 30 years from now. I hope it's great, but you can't count on that the way that, um, I think you could plan with a, using a, a qualified retirement account and, and setting yourself up for your best chances of success. Yeah. I think you made a good point there. 
we're we're not giving advice to raid that account for sure there are some unique situations that could come up where you could utilize it to your advantage but there are are just as many if not more reasons to leave that money in place so dealing with someone that uh, you can trust and these professionals in your life is you definitely want to get some counsel there consult your tax advisor <laughs> exactly <laughs> it comes up a lot with us in the in the business where people want to know about vesting or mm-hmm. can i add this person to title or take this person from title can i draw money from this account can i xyz is my mortgage insurance tax deductible mm-hmm. there's a lot of these questions where um licensure tells us don't get caught in the weeds there it's a very clear thing is you need there are tax professionals that you should be talking to i don't know mm-hmm. um but people say well i know you know wink wink nod nod i know you <laughs> you don't air quotes you don't know but what's the deal you know and it's like well the deal is you really need to understand mm-hmm. that with your tax professional i've heard that you could take 10 grand out of your ira tax free under certain circumstances you need to understand if your circumstances are such that you're going to get that. Right. Is my mortgage insurance tax deductible? Well, I've heard that <laughs> if your income to your household is less than $109,000 a year, mm-hmm. that it is. But for certain people in certain you know circumstances in certain tax brackets, you need to make sure that you and your tax planner know whether you meet that or not. I don't know that. Um, that's a, it's a, it's a real tricky thing. And again, we just want to drive people back to when you're talking about taxes, you're getting roped into some IRS or franchise tax board. Those guys don't monkey around, and they're not going to take ignorance as a plea ever. They're so, not going to reference your no. advice and give them a break. No. So there you go. There, that spent more time on the disclaimer than we did on the conversation. But um, yeah, guys, it's just before ten, so we're gonna get forced out here for the top of the hour commercial break. We have a whole another hour to go. Lucky enough to have Jason Van Dyke with us here in the studio. Uh, we'll be back oh in about five minutes with another hour of Mortgage Matters, and we do hope that you'll stick around. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out because I All right, welcome back, you guys. So I'm joined in the studio today by Jason Van Dyke. How how many years have you worked at Central Coast Lending? We were just I was just had this conversation with somebody. I think it's been uh, is this my fourth year already. Three years, I think three full years. Bob's been with us for three years. It's about the same time, I think. I no? think you're like more longer. Four. I'll look it up in a minute. They keep just flying by. The calendar just goes quicker and quicker, it seems I like. I was going to suggest five. 
Once you have kids, I think that it, uh, it all just starts to be a blur. <laughs> At least for me, there's just life is so filled with all of their events and all their the major things that they have going on. It's it's tough for me to to even remember. But I think uh, I know more than five. I know that. Let's say four. Let's go with four. It's got to be five. That feels. I'm right. gonna laugh if it's six. I, I wow. I would too. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. Well. You're you. I mean, the caliber of loan officer at the company is pretty is pretty high in general. I'd suggest um, you have a you always have a real um, organized and very detailed approach of how you go through the loan process with your clients, whether it's a purchase or a refi. Mm-hmm. I venture to say, and I'm like tiptoeing around my words here because I hate to suggest that you're even superior to some of the other people that work at the company um, because everyone again is pretty good I need to keep that that tone and message uh, at the forefront here but but you seem exceptional to me I'm not I'm not really afraid to say (laughs) that well Um, well all right you'll take it huh is there some award I'm getting I'm not aware of no. I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but bonus kind of app? I don't know, but <laughs> um, I mean, there there's regularly loan officers in the company that are going to outproduce you volume wise. Yep. But seldom a client at the end of the transaction that would feel as like coddled and cared for as what your clients get. I think just being in the business as long as I have, uh, you start to realize things, and I think I think you sort of nailed. How it long the head. have you been in this business? Um, golly, we're going back to six years. No, yeah, we're probably <laughs> twelve years, thirteen, fourteen years now, something like that. So it's been a while. Two thousand two ish. Yeah, I think what I've realized is that uh, it, it's almost impossible to know everything. So that, that's right. one thing that I love working at Central Coast Lending. You mentioned other good loan officers having other good people around you is I, I it was a it was a great day when I realized I don't have to know all this stuff. Yeah. Like I just can focus on what I'm good at and what I feel like makes a smooth transaction and put my energy into that. And when things come up that I just don't know, I, I'm not afraid to say, you know what? I'm not sure. Let me find out the answer and give you some know, good advice that way. You know, it's funny. I've been in this business, I think, for about the same amount of time as you have. And in my early years, my experience was a little bit different as I was an underwriter and I was tasked with knowing all that stuff. And yep. if, if not knowing it and having it just ingrained in, in your brain to be able to do all the time, um, probably the more significant part was being able to look it up quick. But in retrospect, one of the biggest things is that this stuff changes Mm -hmm. so frequently that nothing freaks me out more. You know, like, uh, for example, people that suggest they just got it, like it's right on the tip of the tongue, Mm -hmm. um, right there, right then and there. And I'm like, I have... And you could testify to this because you've accused me of it as well. I have this like vault of a mind of information from mm-hmm. underwriting things. And whenever I'm asked a question, I immediately think about, you know, what it's been, what I last heard it to be. Right. And the next words out of my mouth are going to be, but you better double check. Yep. Uh, it's a freaky, freaky thing when somebody gives you an answer quick that 
um, may or may not be true um, and just didn't go look it up on most all of the the topics here because the questions that get asked are not necessarily easy ones for example right i'll get a loan officer that will call me up and say okay i'm doing a house in slow you know it's a purchase transaction and it's one of the old historical homes and so it's got that um i forget the name but it's got that historical tax base where Mm -hmm. They don't have to pay but like 50 bucks a year in property taxes, but it's on a post and peer foundation and there's no um, permanent source heating in the house. It's, it's using wall heaters. Also, the house has um, a carriage house out back that's been converted into an artist studio. Um, so... Is this going to be okay for an FHA loan? Right. <laughs> with, like, with my short sale and bankruptcy. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. like layers and layers. We've got a lot to sort out here. Right. Is that foundation up to code? Um, is it common in the marketplace? The investor that we're going to send it to okay with that style of construction? Mm-hmm is not having a permanent heat source in a house, a health and safety concern. Um, there's so many different little caveats and these things, they do change. Not only they change in their entirety with the guidelines from Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, but they change um, from investor to investor. Some investors don't have tolerance like that. They don't want to get caught up in a deal that's um, not normal for the market. And so they spend a lot of emphasis trying to figure out whether or not it's normal for the market, right? Mm-hmm. And people forget about this. So well, I don't understand. I'm putting 50% down. So why do you care that the kitchen's torn out? Well, the simple answer is if you buy the house with the kitchen torn out and then get hit by a bus tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then you have, you know, the way that it flows, we end up taking the property back to um, remarket uh, now, and I say we as the you know the bigger we like the lending world right. are now in a position where we either have to sell a house at a discount because it has no kitchen, or we got to get in the weeds with <laughs> building a kitchen mm-hmm. and you know having carrying cost for a project and liability of contractors in it and all these different things. Um, so, you know, the reality of it is, is that there's just different tolerances for these different things, um, at an investor level, you know, what Wells Fargo might be willing to do or not is probably not going to line up perfectly with what Seslock is going to be willing to do or not. Um, and so it becomes one of those things where somebody calls me, our staff calls me every day with those questions. Um, but when like a realtor or a client or somebody calls me with those questions, I'm always like, you know what? I need to get back to you because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I know the answers or the way to make this work, the way to sort it all out or whatever. But I got to get like some confirmation that not only each one of these issues, but these issues in aggregate and all these things that I can figure it all the way out, you know, um, You've been particularly good at that, of just knowing what you do and don't know and not being afraid to say, 
I don't know, but I'll find out and mm-hmm. get back in touch with you. That's a great quality to have. Especially with all the changes. I mean, you have to, and some of these things you have to be sure of. You can't hope that your answer is accurate and then get down to, you know, the last week and you're trying to fund a loan to learn. No, oh, you guys. Because you want to know what happens? Um, we have a deal, um, uh, like crazy stuff here, but I'm working on a deal right now where a person is selling a house in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about their buyer, but I know there is one. <laughs> That's how they're selling it. Right. They're using the money from the down payment from the house in Phoenix to buy a house in San Luis. Right. And the people in San Luis are my clients. They're selling their house in San Luis to buy a house in Atascadero. A little bit of a domino happening here. And then the people in Atascadero, um, I don't know anything about their transaction except for I know that they're buying a house somewhere else. So how far does it go, by the way? How far, how many transactions are harvesting the sales proceeds mm-hmm. from this one to become the down payment on the next. And they're all broken apart by this one's going to go on Thursday and this one's going to happen on Friday. Then we're going to do this one Monday and that one Tuesday um, by all of these different parties and all these different p- players and people um, in this housing market. I'd be surprised. Um, it's almost like that five degrees of Kevin Bacon game or something. Mm-hmm. All of these homes have something dependent on something. Right. And so what we experienced this week was that the buyer in Phoenix was was going to have some summer employment mm-hmm. with a college that that income fell through. Mm-hmm. So then their pre-approval amount, they, they lost $12,000 of projected income. So their maximum approval fell such that they had to cancel their escrow. Mm. Well, it rolls downhill. So the next transaction is going, okay, well, that was my down payment. I don't know what to do now. So then they, these things are just coming off the tracks. And um, you don't ever want to be a part of something where you were told, like, you, hey, this is the deal. Can you do it? Oh, you betcha. Just come on in and sit right down. Mm-hmm. Make your five, ten, twenty thousand dollar deposit over there. Get into these legally binding contracts. Halfway through an escrow, learn that um, we could have known weeks ago that you never should have been in that contract. Mm-hmm. That you don't ever want to find yourself there as a loan officer. Yeah, I think it's even a, a personal thing. Like that that's that stuff keeps me up at night. When I have a borrower who's oh, yeah. stressed out and that client is you know, like you said, there's a few dominoes that need to fall for all of this to come together. That's stuff that I lose sleep over. So it's important for it's tough. my sanity to make sure that all these things are in order. I think some people don't care as much. I think if you're, you know, you've got a, a client or a borrower that's just an application number and it's just a numbers game. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I like dealing with people locally. I mean, when people find an internet rate and they say, well, you know, your, your, their rate is a little bit better. They're, we're going to save a thousand dollars in closing costs. There's, there's a risk factor there. And when you're dealing, when you're dealing with an internet company and they call you up on the, the, you know, the last hour and say, you know what, we can't do this. And they've got 30 other files on their desk. Their attention is going that direction. And you're just you're just screwed. That's the heart of that commercial we run, by the way, where it's like being a local lender, 
it says something to the effect of like, I see you at our kids' baseball games totally. and I run into you in the grocery store. Yep. Um, the sentiment attempting to be conveyed in that commercial is very much so what you're describing is that you're not just a number or an application for us. And um, I hate to think that any lender anywhere is treating people that way because it is real life. I mean, this is the roof over your head and it's a big deal, but um, how much special care and accommodation do you get from somebody out of state in a processing center somewhere making nine bucks an hour that yeah he might feel bad about it he might actually lay awake tonight but he's never going to see you the whites of your eyes right or you know in fact interesting when i when i got into the business way back when i started out in the operations side so i worked you know and ultimately was an underwriter and an operations manager so i i lacked that contact to the client ever Mm -hmm. my pressure all came from the loan officers, you right. know, and the loan officers, they, they, they do their best to convey that. Oh, my client has things in a moving truck. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, um, <laughs> okay, yeah, I get that. Your client was supposed to move five days ago and the thing, but you know, and usually with the loan officer, you just have to kind of go, we still have to meet the requirements. And I haven't yet forgotten that you started this two weeks late. So the right. fact that it's five days late now and I didn't hear from you until day 14, you're only going to be able to get so mad at me. Mm -hmm. I still have these criteria that I have to get us all to meet as a group. And so I'm just going to keep us marching towards that front. But I didn't get to see too many of the the client, you know, the right. face to face. I didn't get to be a part of handing dad the keys, you know, mm -hmm. where he could, or carry the wife across the threshold or that the mom, the single mom that was like on the renter track, it now has her own house, you know, that, and, and how proud and what a big moment that is. I never got to experience any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then when I went over to work at countrywide, that was a, cause the first bank was like kind of a wholesale multi-state lender. Um, when I went to work at countrywide, my main office was over here off of Madonna and I knew all the loan officers. So I at least saw the clients come in and out of their office. And every now and again, I got to meet one of them or whatever. It started to become a little bit more real, mm -hmm. the faces behind the things. Um, but then, you know, in this current role where you have people that come in, um, young people, old people, rich people, um, people that are still rubbing pennies together to figure it out, um, to be able to be a part of all of that and help somebody solve a problem or realize a dream, build a dream home or come in and figure out how to help their mom refinance into a spot where she can afford her health care again now or mm -hmm. something. There's so many moving pieces and parts to a loan that you get to really get down in the trenches with your clients and you get so invested in them that, mm -hmm. um, that part of it makes, um, you know, I can't suggest that it makes me work harder but it, it definitely puts the human element on it. And it's why I really enjoy the face-to-face -face component. I love being able to work right with the people. Now, nature of the business, the realtors get to give over the keys and it feels unjust. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
So they found a house and they did a contract and they did a, they shepherded their client through this whole selecting a home and you know whatever thing the lender sometimes they don't know how much blood sweat and tears we're putting and how much of the good fight we're fighting to keep it all together and you know and making it happen that um man it would be nice if we got to hand over the keys every now and again <laughs> like, like hey mr realtor let me at least share that spotlight with you uh, but we don't it's like i usually when the loan's funded i'll i'll let the real estate agent know hey we funded the loan for the jones this morning so now you can call them and give them the keys put your hero cape on and <laughs> go get them kiddo <laughs> You know, don't you ever wish that you could? Yeah, I, I enjoy the uh, your loan has funded phone call. Yeah. I usually make that to the client as well. So that's usually ahead and of the title company and ahead of the realtor contact and things like that. You do? So I like to I like to make that phone call. Yeah, I always nice. try to stall it off. I guess just maybe kind of let them have that little bit of credit. I don't know. If if nothing else, I think I I summed it up for myself years ago that if the if the realtors felt me always supporting them and letting them have the spotlight and that the big day of glory that perhaps they would um, refer me more. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, the, the less that uh, we get involved during the process, at least from that uh, perspective of the realtor, it almost seems the better. It's just every transaction smooth. And that's what, that's, that's, that's what I want everyone to think. So even if it is or it is not, as long as it closes on time and everyone's happy, then that's that's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, I I definitely try to do that with my clients too. I think being an educator and and teaching is important. I've always sort of looked at myself that way. Um, have educators and teachers in my family and can respect and understand sort of their mindset and in this job, get an opportunity to do that. Sit down and educate, and I think through that education. And really learning where that particular person is, because everyone's in a different spot in their life. They're a different spot in understanding the transaction, where things are coming from. So understanding where they are and then sort of tailoring what that next conversation will look like just puts everyone at ease. And I think that that makes the transaction go smoother. And, you know, with, uh, with things going smoothly, it releases that fear sure. and then, and then everyone's happy and everything goes smooth. So that's, uh, that's sort of what I focus on and try and do. Yeah. Well, and I mean, for what it's worth I, now, I feel like our show is just starting to sound like an infomercial or something, but that's the kind of thing, um, that we look for and the kind of loan officers that we want at our company. Sure. And, um, you know, and if nothing else, like I had clients in my office yesterday and we, we kind of got down into talking about this is like, you know, these people said, I've been through a lot of loan transactions and I've not really had somebody mm -hmm. stick around and care so much and kind of do it right. And to me, it's like, I, I'm, I'm sad that you have that sentiment. I've, we run our business the way that, you know, I would want business done with me. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of expect that out of humans, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you should be good at what you do and, you know, use your knowledge and expertise in this to both protect people, um, and make sure that they can accomplish their objectives. And, um, I feel like that, that should just be kind of the lowest denominator for all of business, but 
it's just not, you know? I mean, it, we seem like we're in this era where it's going out to the lowest bidder and right. the internet stuff seems to be all the craze. You know, the other day I was asked, a friend of mine asked me in terms of, um, you know, Central Coast Surfboards that's here in town. Mm -hmm. Those are really good friends of ours um, in that shop. And they, so another friend of mine said, do you think that CCS will survive the, you know, internet ordering right. and craze and Amazon, or will they go the way of all the other sporting goods stores that used to be around? Right. And I thought my immediate reaction was, yeah, I do. I think they'll survive. And then I started to think, man, that's a, that's like a good, that's a good question. And mm -hmm. it's a scary question. Think about that. Where are the sporting goods stores? They're not all around like they used to be. We already lost all the bookstores. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, maybe not all of them. That's probably not fair to say, but it used to be more common. And now people are just willing to do it on the Internet mm -hmm. and just willing to pipe those profits back wherever. And, um, you know, with that as a, a whole new set of rules of engagement or maybe even lack thereof. Whereas, you know, for companies like ours, we still we want people to have the local option and be able to use us. Um, our focus is clearly the local community. Um, and for us, I mean, we have to be able to compete with those online companies. And, and thankfully, at least at this point, it's not hard to do. Right. I mean, when, when your client says, well, I got this quote from Quicken and mm -hmm. I mean, I really would love to work with you. I need to see what you can do. Your first thought is like slam dunk. <laughs> I'm not, I don't lose business to quicken. Right. Um, not by price, not by service, not by knowledge. There isn't quicken is not a threat to me. The biggest threat of quicken to me is that somebody would just call them and just go work with them without, you know, right. believing that Central Coast Lending can give you a better Quicken loan than Quicken can. Like, mm -hmm. you got to know that, you know? Um, so it's not it's not hard. I'm not threatened by the competition anywhere. Um, in fact, I always tell my clients, I'm happier if you go out and shop because when you come back, not only will you realize that as far as the competition goes, our rates and fees are right in the mix and, and better, but the quality of loan officer that you're mm -hmm. going to run into out there is mm -hmm. going to send you running into my arms and, you know, and I'll be here then to, to coddle you through the transaction and you get the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. The worst is when somebody goes, well, you know, Wells Fargo is huge and they've been around since the 1800s. I see their commercial during the Super Bowl they're definitely going to be cheaper and better than some mom and pa shop like mm -hmm. Central Coast Lending, and they just go there. It's like, well, give us a crack at that, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. People call into the radio show, too, and they say, I've been listening to your show for years, and I'm in a transaction with Quicken, and this is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always like, okay, thanks for calling. And yes, again, we'll clean up another quick and mistake. And I want to just grab them by the collars and shake them and say, how did you listen to my show for years and then go to Quicken? Mm -hmm. I like, I always like the simple analogies and that, uh, the one that always comes to mind when people only bring up price is the, the doctor analogy. And if you were to have 
a very, very important surgery, you probably wouldn't just lay down all the quotes and just go with the cheapest doctor. It just wouldn't happen that way. And there's, there's like we talked about, there's so many guidelines and so many things to know as far as, you know, what's important in a specific scenario. If you have anything tricky, those things need to be brought to light at the beginning. I mean, let's, let's stack up the hurdles where the biggest hurdle is the one we clear first. And then that way we're not getting tripped when up. When you have the, the most energy too. Right. Exactly. Right? Yep. And there's, uh, there's some do's and don'ts and that's, uh, just calling up a company saying, what's your best rate? And then just going that direction is, is highly unlikely that that's going to be your best option and scenario. I'm never even very good at that phone call because people say, they'll call up and say, what's your, what's the lowest rate 30 year fix with your company? Okay. I mean, answer your question simply. I can give you like a 2.875 30 year fix today. Yep. That's ridiculous. How could you possibly do that? Well, the closing costs are going to be like $50,000. Right. And now, now all of a sudden they're like, well, what about with no closing costs? Well, no closing costs, you know, I like zero. Well, you want me to buy your appraisal, pay your credit, do your title right. escrow, your everything, even pay your property taxes and your homeowner's insurance, pay your prepaids. Mm -hmm. I can do that too. Your interest rate's going to be four and three eighths or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like what you really wanted to ask was for a quick education about the relationship between interest rate and closing costs. Yep. And what you really wanted to do was get yourself into a position where you could compare as best you can equal offers to different lenders. That's not something you can get in a quick, abrupt, you know, what's your lowest rate right. thing today. Right. Um, you know, and I find myself right away. It's almost like before I give you that information, I want to. I, and it's not just my desire to get into a sales pitch with you, but I want to know, well, what's your long-term plan? Because sometimes people want that lowest rate. What's that lowest rate? Well, it's three and a half and the closing costs are going to be, you know, 7,000 bucks. And, oh, what's that? You're like on a, you're out here, you know, to be here for five years before you move back to Michigan. And, mm -hmm. um, then we shouldn't be talking about that at all. Mm -hmm. You know, let's take a rate where the upfront costs are nothing and you just pay 40 bucks a month more for the house for the five years. That's going to be less than the, than what it would have cost you to just get a low rate. So, but in order to have those conversations, I got to start, I got to know some things about you and I got to be able to, um, have that conversation about what your, your goals and your timeline and what's important to you. And I think that all falls under the umbrella of dealing with a professional that you can trust and know that they, number one, have, you know, your best interest at heart. You call Quicken, they're not going to ask all of those details because they don't really care. You want a 30 year fix at a low rate. Cool, and here you and go. honestly, it oftentimes I think that they don't know. And I say right. that I'm sure that Quicken has got some office somewhere with some loan officer in there that really does know what they're doing. But by and large, they really don't. They hire people right. that um, know how to answer a phone and how to, you know, read the list and answer the questions and go through the process. And, you know, they can tell you about, well, yeah, sure, you could pay a point or you could pay no points. Um, 
but they they're not going to get into the weeds with you on analyzing what the break even point is and the cost benefit analysis to this plan versus that plan sure. or you know what i mean that you, you need to be the driver and to my knowledge um my experience tells me is that most consumers don't know what they don't know exactly you know yeah and that's where the real pro comes into the to the equation here is i know what you don't know and I also know how significant the things you don't know are. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it's my job because I'm going to see you at Little League and I'm going to see mm -hmm. you at the grocery store. Um, and who knows, 15 years from now, my son may marry your daughter. Right. <laughs> you know, So we're going to take with care and walk you through this transaction in a way that um, will look out for you and those things you don't know and make sure that you know we navigate them appropriately oftentimes at a lower rate than what you would have gotten if you you right. know got trolling on the internet looking for the lowest rate mm -hmm. it's time for the middle of the hour commercial break um you know what i you know what though and maybe you can bring us back with it i my mom listens to this show pretty regularly okay and yesterday was mom's birthday so oh gosh we'll happy birthday out. mother i love you if you're listening thanks for listening Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll bring it back with um, something. Yeah, maybe yeah. one of the birthday songs. Maybe we should do that. All right, let's do a commercial break here. Be back in a couple minutes with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
Welcome back, everyone. Thanks, Jim. No problem. Honor the mother a little bit whenever you can. That's right. Shout out to mom. (laughs) My mom's a pretty um, awesome woman. Mm -hmm. She raised four boys. If I if I started down the list of accolades, we'd have to extend the show a while. A couple hours. (laughs) She's really um, just a phenomenal person, and I could sum it up just by saying, um, of her four sons. I'm probably the um, favorite, the, the schlep pulling up the rear end. <laughs> wow, my You're the schlep, huh? Well, my brothers are all three of them are um, firefighter paramedics. Oh, no. <laughs> so they're like <laughs> truly. I mean, I joke all the time. That's like, you know, what do you do for a living? Crisis management. That's what I do for a living, yeah. saving lives, yeah. uh, one escrow at a time. But my brothers <laughs> really are, like probably even this yeah. morning, they probably really are actually currently saving somebody's life. That's awesome. And so uh, as every parent would want to, um, at some point in life, like did you succeed or not? You would think that you, um, I mean, I want to be able to answer the question of like, yes, because I raised good kids that are now contributing to society. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a, that's, that's a great job too. I mean, that's a big job. So, I mean, she went four for four yeah. with kids that are out contributing and doing well. Um, and I, I, I hope that's normal, but I suspect it may not be. And, um, yeah, but I'm the schlep dude. I'm like the sales guy pulling up the rear end to the, <laughs> you know, you better be uh, remembering these accolades for the other important parent in your life coming up next Saturday. Yeah. Father's Day. On oh, the- man. it's So this week, my yeah. son was promoted from eighth grade. And like I said yeah. earlier in the show, that's a big deal. But one of the other really fun things was that my grandparents came down and... Um, or came up, I should say. And so we had, we were just sitting out in the living room at my house, kind of chatting. And, and likewise, at the same time, we said about my dad, my dad is responsible for the work ethic mm-hmm. of the kids. And um, all of us are very hardworking people, that's for sure. Um, like, don't accuse me of being smart. I mean, there's a lot of things you may or may not be able to accuse me of. Work ethic is not a questionable item, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just have to say that that as much as my mom has a great responsibility for her kids all being successful, my dad instilled a lot as well, too. And the work ethic was certainly a big part of it. So happy birthday, mom. Um, we have a phone call here. We have Steve calling from slow. Steve, welcome to Mortgage Matters. Oh, good morning. I always enjoy your show. Thanks. I, uh, I heard you mention CCS a little while ago. Yeah. I think if you look into it, you'll find out that they've been marketing uh, online and, and mail order for decades. So I, I worked for the owner several years ago in his home, and I told him I'd been on the East Coast, and I saw CCS stickers all over Maryland. Oh, wow. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we ship products. He says, I just dump a handful of stickers in the box yep. for the kids. Yeah, that's true. And in fact, I think that company originally started with a pretty significant mail order catalog kind of pre-internet days. And at some point they sold that part of it. And then just recently, like in the last 
half a dozen years or so, they they have been trying to get um, a, a better internet presence too, in addition to the store. Um, and thanks for that, Steve. I appreciate you calling and reminding us that. And my bigger interest too is just wanting to say. Um, Support your local business, CCS and the other ones. It's a great thing to have these local companies and to be able to support them instead of just tearing off to make an Internet purchase that might be more convenient. Yeah, I, I agree. Thanks for that comment, too. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. They say that these local companies, you know, or, you know, a dollar spent locally here is worth three bucks. There's all these different mm -hmm. little statements about the, you know, what it means to the local economy. And, um, you know, that that shop in particular is, I think they're, is it their 35th year anniversary? Oh, over it's there? been here forever. Yeah. 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 It's a, I mean, it's a great outfit. I went in there the other day to, buy my kids some he wanted some new shoes for graduation so i well drop on into ccs pick up some new shoes um yeah because if everyone does just keep shopping on amazon prime uh -huh. we're gonna lose that ability to go put something in your hand um what i usually do is i like to go um I like to go online and read reviews and research things mm -hmm. and look at all the different stuff. And then, um, then I like to find out where I could get that thing locally and go like, get it in my hands and hold it and look at it. Um, and obviously there's already plenty of products where you, you can't get it in your hand here anymore. You mm -hmm. know, they have a, they have a thing here. Um, <laughs> I like the way they put it first in the water since 1975. Yeah, so that's forty-one years. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, good, good. I was. Um, let me pull up my notes real quick. Where's all your stuff? I'm used to Dan. He spreads out his newspapers everywhere. He's got oh, them got, all over the place. You got yourself a little. Yeah, we touched on some of the things that I had been thinking about. Um, like you said, that out of town this last week, so a little disconnected from all of the uh, the economic news and had a little bit more time to think about just just some of the transactions that are happening right now and some of those do's and don'ts and you kind of recognize those hurdles and see you know a, a pattern with some of these right. major hurdles and you kind of implement start implementing things to maybe eliminate those or most of those um, during a transaction so that's some of the things that I had been thinking about over the week um, I think we touched on it as far as just dealing with professionals, dealing with people that are going to give you good advice. And then I think a key piece of that is then following that advice. So many of us take the time <laughs> to listen to the professionals and hear what they have to say and then go a different direction. Sure. And sometimes that, you know, will work out. Oftentimes it does not. Um, so just following that advice. But yeah, just sort of through the process, um, dealing with professionals, getting prepared, um, you know, to buy a house. I think that getting pre-qualified is uh, something that a lot of people do and should do. But a lot of people I've, you know, run into realtors where they're, you know, wanting to make offers and their clients haven't even sat down to figure out how it's going to pencil out financially. And sometimes you get lucky and it all works out. But right. a, a lot of times it's, uh, you know, it, or it they, doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, what I see happen a lot of the time. So the client is um, 
online using a mortgage calculator to pre-qualify themselves. Right. Mortgage calculator doesn't always have the taxes, the insurance, the mortgage insurance, the HOA fee, the flood insurance. Um, yep. is, it might actually not be very um, related to what the actual cost of this property is going to be at all. Yep. Um, and even if they're just in general, if they forget that taking into consideration what the property taxes are can be um, the difference or not, especially where you're talking... I mean, a good rule of thumb is it's 1%. So if you go buy a $600,000 house, you're going to have property taxes that are six grand a year, mm -hmm. which translates to $500 a month. And that's a lot of money. A lot of people are, yeah, they're they're kind of blindsided by that total monthly payment. They, right. They, they want that principal and interest, and that looks really good. But of then course, start... that's just like the rent. Right. I mean, this is a no-brainer. Right. And it's because it's 100 or $200 or $300 more than the rent, and they think about the tax savings and mm -hmm. the building equity and the all these different things. And then, then they sit down and see what the costs really are. And it's not that they can't afford it, but it's their kind of chain yank back into reality. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and for example, if the property tax is 500 bucks a month and you forgot to take that into consideration, 500 bucks a month constitutes a hundred thousand dollars worth of borrowing ability. Mm -hmm. So now the realtors had you in the car and is showing you $600,000 homes because you believe the monthly payment on those is $500 less than it is. Yep. And then you go, hopefully they send you over to us and we kind of rein you in and go, oh, Mr. Jones, you better get back out there with a $500,000 ceiling. Mm -hmm. Well, now you just spent two months looking at $600,000 houses and guess what? They're nicer than the $500,000 houses, right? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> they just are. That's how it goes. Right. Um, so getting properly pre-approved before you do it is a pretty critical component. At least maybe it'll just keep you from having unrealistic expectations, if nothing else. And that that's even that might even be a step ahead of where some people should be. Um, getting pre-approved because you want or pre-qualified because you want to buy a house in or start looking more seriously over the next week or two. That's a good step. But some people should go back six months and oh, review yeah. their credit and say, okay, you know what? This is how it works, folks. If you have a higher credit score, your financing terms will be better. Just flat out. You may have some loan options that are now available to you, some programs that are available to you that might not otherwise be there if you have simple things on your credit that could be cleaned up and get yeah. your scores well, higher. Not only that, but when you look at um, especially credit score with down payment, I mean, right. one of the things people really fail to realize is that obviously these interest rates have something to do with your credit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, for example, if you're putting 10% down with an 800 credit score, um, you're going to have mortgage insurance. Sure. The mortgage insurance is related to your credit score and the down payment interest rate stuff is related to your credit score. Got it. Calculate out the cost. That same guy with a 650 credit score is getting hammered. Mm -hmm. Absolutely beat up. You can expect an interest rate that is going to be three eighths to half a point higher. Mm -hmm. Mortgage insurance that's unavoidably higher. Yep. Um, it it can really push the cost of a transaction up dramatically. And you know, if you come into us six months ahead of time, I'll have 
where we find you with a 650 credit score and go, well, hey, your credit score is 650 because um, Best Buy, and I always joke about this, but the Best Buy card comes with a late. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a package deal. They give you a credit card with a late payment on it. Um, (laughs) And oftentimes it's due to something where um, it just doesn't add up, you know, And, and we might be able to get it proven as erroneous or removed or something that can be done, but it takes, if you do it organically, it takes 30 or 60 or 90 days to fix that. And when you're in a 30 day escrow, you tied my hands now. I Mm -hmm. can't do anything for you because we learned about this, you know, it's like, you don't want to realize you forgot your helmet as you're catching the kickoff. You need to have known (laughs) that when you were in the locker room, you know, that's where we want to get. Um, you know, get the people, figure out what you're at. Give us an opportunity to fix you up. We have another phone call. We have Jeff calling from Atascadero. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Hi. Um, a question about credit scores. Yeah. And actually actually creating a good credit score. Um, I've been talking to young people recently. They're new college graduates. They uh, they don't have a credit card. Uh, they, they believe that in order to get a good credit score, they're going to need a credit card in order to establish uh, themselves. And my question is, does a person need a credit card in order to establish a credit score that would allow them to come to you and become pre-approved for a real estate loan? The answer is no. Okay, You don't have to have a credit card. To get a real depth of credit, to achieve those really high credit scores, we like to see a variety of credit. And I'll tell you why. Um, you know, if, say I'm looking at Jeff's credit, and Jeff, you've got just installment debt where you borrowed, you know, maybe you borrowed $2,000 from the Mac store, and they gave you an installment loan where you paid $200 a month for 10 months, and then your 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 MacBook was paid off and the account was closed and it's it's no longer available. That gives us a good idea that you were able to commit to an obligation and budget for it and you ultimately paid as agreed and that's that's good for your credit score. Uh, the revolving debt tells us different things though. Um, the revolving debt like credit cards tell us that you are capable of having some self-discipline because once you make the payment, you can charge it up again. And in fact, you can even take a cash advance on a credit card to make its credit card payment in a very self-cannibalizing and destructive way. At some point that gig is up and we know that you were incapable of handling it in that way. Um, And so for those reasons, a mix of credit, if you're truly after a good credit score, part of that depth is also the variety of account types. Um, student loans, for example, student loans don't actually report late on your credit typically until they're 60 days late. So if you're just 31 days late on a student loan, you sort of get some additional grace. Um, and that's sort of known. And so the credit models don't put quite as much clout on the receipt of a student loan payment in terms of the depth of your credit as they would, um, from some other kind of account. So you could absolutely get credit, build credit, um, and have a phenomenal credit score without ever having a credit card ever. Um, but I, I do think it's going to take a little bit longer and it's a little bit harder. Okay. Now when credit cards, uh, or credit card companies always, uh, issue a limit that can be used on the card. 
Yeah. Um, if, a, if a person uses only a very small portion of that limit on a monthly basis and pays it off every single month, does that count favorably towards their credit score? You know, I talked a little bit about this on the show last week, but um, it kind of. And and the interesting thing, too, is this week we sat through a seminar for new requirements on what's called trending credit. So this is about to change in coming months here due to some new laws where we will see what you do, you know, in terms of how much you pay off every month. But the interesting thing that people fail to realize, I think, on a whole is that the credit bureaus, the information that I see about your credit card is when it was opened, when it was last active, what its total um, credit limit is, the highest you ever got that card, what its current limit is, what its current payment is, and whether it's ever been late. Those are what shows. So let's just say that you have a credit card with a $10,000 available credit and you use it for $8,000 this month and pay it off and $6,000 next month and pay it off. Um, that's not necessarily helping your credit to keep using it and paying it off because in some situations it can actually be damaging. And, uh, you know, I shared this story last week about a young borrower I had who had a single credit card and used it for incidentals like that and paid it in full every month. And the damaging component of that can be that the credit's a snapshot. So on, you know, American Express runs their books on the 18th and then sends all that information to the bureau on the 18th that says, what he, you know, here Jeff has a $4,000 available credit of which he's using $3,000 of it. You know, now you're now Jeff's at a 75% utilization, but they didn't tell us that he pays it in full every single month. So you look uh -huh. like you have a maxed out credit card because of the snapshot in time that told us what the balance was in related in relation to the maximum available credit. So okay, um, if, if 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 we if we flip that scenario and say I've got a four thousand dollar credit limit and I use two hundred and fifty dollars of it every single month and paid it off every single month, how does that impact my credit score? It really doesn't. Um, it, 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 okay. it, it's good for you that you're not crossing any of the thresholds of using 15 or 25 or 50% of the available balance. It's good to you that on that $4,000 card, you only really take it to 250 bucks a month. Um, but the reality is in that scenario, the, the greater impact is going to be how long have you had the card? That age of trade is still very powerful. And then additionally, okay. you know, the other things that we look for on it is, uh, you know, when you're using it only marginally like that, um, it'll tell us that you've had this card for 24 months and it has $4,000 available, but the most you ever used it at one time was 250. That tells me that, so you've had good discipline, but you've not demonstrated to me that you're able to take on two or three or $4,000 worth of debt and get back out of it. So what we really like to see is somebody that uses a card gets it close to the available at one point, demonstrates that they can pay it off, and then after that, there isn't actually any credit benefit to using it incidentally and paying it in full every month. You don't get the benefit from that. The only benefit you would really get from that is going to be rewards that are associated with that card, airline miles or things like this. Right, yeah. All well, I, I, had, I had this conversation with a parent yesterday whose child was just coming out of college 
and they were saying, you know, we we got we got to get our kid a credit card so they can establish credit, and then they then they can go forward with their life, and you know, in the way that Americans do. And and I was a little apprehensive about endorsing that because I'm not a I'm not a believer in borrowing money, and uh, and and I just wondered if and of course you have to borrow money for a mortgage, for example. Yep. I was just trying to get the idea. Of, does, does you really need that credit card? And you've done a good job of explaining how you could use it in order to demonstrate your discipline and your budgeting skills and so forth to the credit trading agencies that would then report. Yep. So I appreciate, you, I appreciate your answer. All right, Jeff, thanks a lot. Thanks for the phone call. Thanks for listening. Um, guys, that, that was a perfect example of what goes into a pre-approval. Mm-hmm. Um, when we sit down and we run your credit, sometimes advice is, you know what? You need to go get yourself an installment loan or a credit card loan. You need to go have something or take care of something, fix things up. Um, and, you know, for Jeff and anybody else that's in that boat, we don't mind giving that advice. Make an appointment. Come on in. Bring in that that fresh college graduate for the kind of um, expertise we have. We can help get you on that path, knowing that you're not buying a house tomorrow and maybe not even likely in the next two or three years. Um, we're a local business that plans to be open for years on end, and we're willing to make an investment in somebody that wants that help before you ever go do something to your credit, um, good, bad, or otherwise, we'd love to be able to help you. We'll be in business in 10 years when that college graduates buying his first home or whatever. Um, so if you want that help, let us give it to you. The number two, our office is five, four, three loan, which is five, four, three, five, six, two, six. You can find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com. And, uh, thanks much for being with us. We'll be back next week with another new episode. Jason, thanks for coming in today and giving Dan a day off. It was great to have you. Yeah, Dan, enjoy your time off, buddy. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Have a fantastic week.